are listening to Some Like It Pop, a weekly podcast where we, the Pop Crush editors, take a look at the latest in pop culture. I'm Bradley Stern, the editor-in-chief of Pop Crush. I'm Samantha Vincenti, the managing editor of Pop Crush. I'm Ali Zubiak, the associate editor of Pop Crush. And I'm Matt Donnelly, and I'm a senior writer at Pop Crush. Today, we are discussing the only thing that seems to matter right now at the moment, which is lemonade. Um, What's that? (laughs) It is a drink, and that's what we're going to talk about specifically. Um, We're also going to talk a little later on. um, We have a chat with Brendan Yuri from Panic at the Disco. He came by, and we made yummy nummies together. And (laughs) (laughs) That's not a euphemism. You should probably explain. Not a euphemism. What? Sadly, that is to the uninitiated. Um, so that segment will be revealed later on Pop Crush's YouTube, which please subscribe, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it It's Yummy Nummies are a Japanese fad of tiny snacks that you prepare in tiny trays and eat. And the results are not uh, usually very good. But um, you'll find out if we liked our cheeseburger and fries later in this segment. Is that a testament to your preparation of them, or is that just the food in general? I I have a feeling it was the the powder that we mixed together into water. Anyway. (laughs) They do like a tiny shrimp tempura on the internet on YouTube. That is almost certainly not from a Yummy Nummies box. They probably don't sell shrimp no yeah there is a sushi one which i did not want to explore yeah oh you should have done that i know it looked really good you chose meat anyway we chose some reason from powder yeah um great (laughs) but so speaking of mixing things with water (laughs) just like lemonade uh today we are going to discuss lemonade but we're not going to discuss um maybe the meaning so much of the songs because that seems to land people in hot water and also it's like a lot of those songs are open for interpretation and right although i did want to mention Mm. if people are looking for a deeper meaning i read a really good article on fusion called What to Read After Watching Beyonce's Lemonade, and it's a reading list of uh, black women writers like Alice Walker and Zora Neale Hurston and more that I mostly hadn't heard of, although not all. Um, and of course, like the poet who was responsible for a lot of the talking in between the videos. The interludes, that right. People Would, read the hell into. Yeah. I mean, rightly so, but... Not everyone knew those were poems, and right. you know, I'm yeah, gonna butcher a, her. Do you know how to pronounce her name? Warson Shire. Shire? Right. I don't know. She was really big on Tumblr, so I feel mm. like Beyonce probably has one. Oh, yeah. It's kind of cool that you said that because my first impression upon watching it was how it registered so clearly to me, like the same way a novel did, especially like mm-hmm. a stream of consciousness type. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of cool that you said. And I will look forward to reading this. Um, yeah, she's got. I guess she was like London's first young poet laureate, so she's definitely. Legit, beyond having Beyonce's thumbs up. Yeah, which is there are layers to both the music and the visual that I think will continue to be unpacked. But you know, before making any rush assumptions about the lyrics, I think it's important to let's let's uh, dissect. So let's talk about how she unveiled Lemonade this time. Um, She did it sort of a semi surprise. She said something is coming called Lemonade a week in advance. And then everyone um, angrily uh, subscribed to HBO Now or found a Brazilian stream. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) I won't say I did, but I did. Um, Yeah. um, 
And then, you know, she had everyone tune in at 9 p.m. and then dropped the album immediately after it aired. Um, do you think that she had the same culture-shaking effect as Beyonce self-titled 2013? Because of the content, yes, I do. Um, in terms of, like, mind exploding because it's a surprise album, no. Yeah. But because of, especially the Jay-Z angle, and because it was so amazing and cohesive, whereas the last one was standalone pieces. Right. I do feel like that. But at this point, I want everyone to just drop an album. Give me a week's notice. I don't, I shouldn't, I mean, maybe that's crazy as someone who fabricates content for the internet, but right. I'm just no lyric videos, no snippets. Just give me the album. Give me like a week's notice. I'm good. I agree to a certain extent, but I also feel like there's sort of a joy that comes with for fans in anticipating an album's release and sort of like getting in touch with the community and, you know, looking back at old stuff and, and reading some new interviews and things like that. But I am sort of of the same mind that like as soon as I saw it, like that irritation sort of just dissipated because of how good it was and how immediately it oppressed on me. And it was just kind of funny because I feel like for someone whose roots are so um, in line with commercialism, like Destiny's Child and her earlier stuff, it's so clear now that she's just like an almost like an avant-garde artist. Like she just sort of does what she wants to do and is more concerned with art than anything and I feel like that's been like really cemented with, with this project. Yeah, I mean, I guess one criticism I've heard, I should preface this by saying like, I am, there's no, I can't think of a single bad thing to say about Beyonce and I've just been in love with her <laughs> since the moment I heard no, no, no. And Sam has no bias I whatsoever. Did, yeah. <laughs> um. I didn't, I didn't cave and buy. When she came into my life, I was at a point where I was discovering indie music and had kind of like, sworn off pop and then I heard no 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 and then I didn't cave until the second album Writings on the Wall but that was one of the first pop albums I had bought in years and years and I just yeah but she has to Matt's point like gone through this evolution from obviously girl group member to really amazing pop artist and then now yeah just point blank artist for sure and um, and I yeah the criticism I've heard has been like or one I've heard is that some of the songs don't stand on their own without the accompanying visual, which A, I don't feel at all, <laughs> except for maybe Sandcastles, because A, by that point when Jay-Z showed up, I was like, that I want to see you get out of here. But then I just wanted to like throw food at him. But then <laughs> also I just felt like it was, I'm not, as you guys know, a ballad fan generally. And I just felt like it was like a sleepy piano ballad that was kind of a step back compared to that the was the one I did been. not like also. Oh, that surprises me, yeah. Matt, because I feel like you do love a ballad. I do, but I feel like it was such a jarring like bit of discord with everything else that seemed to flow so beautifully. And then it was just like, here's a thing that has been done a million times out of nowhere. Yeah, and I get yeah. that it had to be like a bridge yeah. to the healing part of it, but... I weirdly, that stood out to me, that song, because of the way she was singing and how she was kind of like screaming and imperfect because she was kind of like emotionally crying for oh, her voice of her voice oh, yeah, is like kind of insane in that song and i thought that was interesting because as as somebody who was always you know criticized and hailed as being perfect it was a very like uneven song almost the way she was singing it was kind of broken i thought that was kind of interesting but yes i was mostly confused slash mad slash feeling things when jay-z showed up because then it was like oh this just got real personal and now he's directly involved in this um Something that related to the emotions of the of the songs um, that she's gotten criticism for, or some people have defended, is the fact that 
she enlists a small army for her albums um, of songwriters, producers, creative collaborators, everything like that. Um, do you think that that takes away from the art or because as a as a Britney fan, uh, <laughs> I, you know, have obviously had to stand up against people who say, you know, oh, she doesn't write her music, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there are like 20 writers on on some of these songs or between the samples and everything like that. Um, do you think that takes away from her message? Do you think how she's involved in it? What do you think about all that? Yeah, not remotely. And I mean, and I feel like, well, not only have the, it's so interesting to me because there's such an increased interest because it's Beyonce that people have been pouring over all the contributors and that some of them are so seemingly left field, like Father John Misty yeah. or like Animal Collective. And then it turned out that was just one lyric that they were just covering yeah. their bases. Same with yeah, yes. Right, right. Well, that one was on purpose, but I guess like, in retrospect, they realized they had kind of done a similar lyric to My Girls from Animal Collective, so they just decided to like yeah. cover their bases. Which is interesting in itself. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of this kind of, I mean, it sounds like to hear all the mythology behind it now, it sounds like some of these songs were kind of Frankenstein together, and people mm-hmm. who are unfamiliar with the way a lot of pop gets made might not realize that's how a certain amount of pop gets made. Yeah, And also... The thing that really mess- messes me up about that is that it's completely gender skewed because look at the liner notes for Kanye's last two albums. There's like four to six producers on almost every song. Mm-hmm. And people are always like, well, he's the maestro, he's the conductor of the brilliance. But then they're <laughs> going to act like it just happened to Beyonce. Right. No. And it also, just from creatively, it doesn't matter to me at all because her narrative was so clear to me. Like I, someone would not be able to have performed all of that with the conviction that she did if she didn't know what she was talking about. Like, maybe every chord wasn't hers, maybe every word wasn't hers, but the story was entirely hers, and that was clear from watching it the whole way through. I mean, there wasn't a point at which I was like, mm, I don't really know what she's trying to go for here. I mean, it was very, very, very clear. Right. Yeah, I mean, Sia even said in her Rolling Stone article that Beyonce is very involved, and she goes from room to room where each of the writers and producers are, and she kind of, it's like Frankenstein, like you said. Mm -hmm. I think Sia literally said those. Oh, really? She said that, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, Beyonce's clearly involved. I think she gets a lot of flack for trying to claim a writing credit on songs that she has not written. Mm -hmm. Like, you ought to know, there was that whole thing. And then Ave Maria, she tried to, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So that I understand. Look, she had her reasons, Allie. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, even if she did say she didn't have a single, you know, hand in the in the technical production of it, as long as she knows what she wants to say and if you have the resources, why not get the help to make the to see the image through that you want to see instead of, you know, there are plenty of other pop albums right now that, you know, people have the best people out there and you know, it's completely discordant from one song to the next. And, you know, having the best people is valuable if you know what you want to do with them. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And I think it's maybe cynical, but I think her writing credits almost always are are business matters where she can ensure that she's getting those songwriting royalties for, for usage of her songs or anything like that when the song takes off inevitably or something. I think because it, it the publishing rights, you get more money if your name is on it like that. Which I is think. akin to like the person who leads a really popular TV show getting an EP credit by like a certain season yes. to keep them there. Totally. Yeah, so I and I certainly don't have a problem with with how much or how little I guess that she's involved. I think it's very clear though that she has a very specific narrative she was trying to tell with this album, especially more so than the last one, which was I think about 
actually it was more sexual. It was about like empowerment as, you know, owning her sexuality and, and feminism. And this one was really a, a much more personal, narrow story, I thought. But it also incorporates a lot of social, you know, social justice themes that are kind of not addressed so much in the music, but the visual. Yeah. Um, which I think is really interesting as well. Which again, we're not going to unpack. Which, which we're but not going Google to Google it, you guys. Seriously. Google. Google good hair because people, the line Becky with the good hair yeah. is getting so misinterpreted. And my, one of my biggest takeaways is that people didn't know what Becky meant mm. on the internet right. until this week. I also hate that the whole hour long has been reduced to this one yeah. word yeah. and this yeah. one line. It's so infuriating. Right. right. Like people who haven't even watched this thing are weighing in on this one lyric and making all these inferences about it. And it's just so stupid. Yeah, that's the other thing is it's caused a ripple effect now, of course, because this is the internet where this album has now become a bit of a witch hunt mm-hmm. for Becky. This maybe one person that, that people are collecting clues about, um, which is a very interesting aftershock from from this album. Um Right now, Rita Ora had to release a sta- Well, didn't have to, but she did. <laughs> she may have volunteered. She certainly to. volunteered to say it's not her. Becky G, importantly, also said it's not her. But in a um, cute, funny way. In a cute, funny and way. And I hate that it informed the way I saw the moment because I did read it before I watched the full thing. And oh. I was looking at it. I was like, when's it coming? You know, oh, now it's here. And it's just like, I think I would have looked at it differently if I hadn't had all these oh. swirling thoughts in my head about it. Definitely. I definitely, I when I heard it. it, I was like, what? And I thought it was a white woman because Becky. Yeah, right. Um, and then I, I thought I did go to Twitter and I typed in the phrase after I was done watching the second time. I did. People were saying Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow. They were saying Mariah. Wow. <laughs> Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow. I mean, I thought yeah. of Taylor immediately, obviously. Right. No, but, it's Becky. But and she is she epitomizes Becky anyway. I just but. mean like to me, it seemed if I hadn't heard that, I would have thought that it was just something conceptual more than like a specific person. And I think it is. I think it is too. Um, but unfortunately. I don't know about Rita Ora, but I do feel like uh, <laughs> nobody knows. Just, never know. Funnily enough, nobody knows sentence. about Rita Ora. So <laughs> no, I do think, unfortunately, Rachel Roy, whether or not mm. she did cheat with Jay Z, I have no idea. She is like the Warren Beatty of our time, and that she will be going to her grave as the person that song was about. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which is slash also Rachel Ray, unfortunately, yeah, a very Ray. unfortunate misfire in that <laughs> attack. Um, yeah, so the biggest one out of the whole Becky scandal was Rachel Roy, who released a statement this morning saying that it it was... Well, did she say specifically, it's not me? She said she respects marriage. She respects marriage. She respects Beyonce, and she hates bullying. So it was enough to keep intrigue, but enough yeah. where she thought she could shrink And that's also part of the problem is... Not that it's to- a problem, but... I don't think anybody has directly said it's not me, except if they were kidding. Right. But the ones that were maybe the most persecuted were just like, well, I love Beyonce. If you Beyonce. really wanted the limelight off you, you would say it wasn't yeah. me, and that would be that. Yeah. But she was like, mm, yeah. no, not real. So that's left. I don't know if that was, um, if they knew that that was what was going to happen immediately after the album and maybe take away from the other content of the music. Yeah, but it should not be the legacy. It's certainly no. at least the, the short-term legacy of the album. Right. And I think... Also interesting is the fact, like we're doing now, is that people are less eager to jump on an immediate review of the album. Um, Certainly people are kind of shying away from the implications and and black culture and things like that that they don't want to read into without really having a good knowledge of Mm -hmm. that. Um, But do we think this is kind of 
uh, a trend that's going to happen more and more. Same with anti-Rihanna. Like, people took some time to digest that, except for me. <laughs> um, I but, would like to think so, but I don't think so. Yeah. Just because of the overarching pressure in the digital realm to churn out your hot take immediately. I do find it absurd, personally, um, that we're turning out any review of any album overnight, but mm-hmm. especially something as massive as this. Yeah, uh, I ha- tried to read one review and I was like, it's been like two days. Yeah. I don't care about anyone's opinion, right. but mine and my friends. So I would like to think so, but. Yeah, Sam, I agree with you. I think that, I mean, I'm biased because this is our job and this is what we have to do, but I think it's unfair to ask of anybody reasonably to make a, an opinion, not only about the album, but where it lies in context of their career, especially because you look at things like Madonna's Erotica, which was such a divisive album at the time, and everyone hated her for being very overtly sexual, all of that stuff. Um, and now it's looked on as like an underrated gem and, you know, an important part of her legacy. And I think that you kind of need that distance to really assess what the album means. You know, it could be, especially with a surprise album or a semi-surprise album, you're kind of so like amazed by the shock of it that you don't really have time to kind of sit down and get, oh, is this music actually good? Is this actually like something I will continue listening to after a week? Mm-hmm. Or am I just so amazed by the the blast of promo and, and all of that? I am interested from a reader to read these types of things when they go up, but I think when you have to do it at such like an accelerated rate, it's more important now than ever for sites and for, you know, different sources to just like stay in your lane. Like if you're a pop site, you know, write about the pop context. If you're a culture site, you know, do readers are smart enough to know where to go to read certain things. And I think, you know, sites just have to consistently write what they're supposed to be writing and what and what they know to write. Yeah. And the closer I am to loving an artist that the less likely I am to read any old review. I'm more likely to just read, like I'm waiting for Roxanne Gay's review in Spin, which I don't think is out yet, but that's one that I'm definitely going to check out. Otherwise, I'm not that curious. Yeah, totally. That I definitely agree with. Yeah, when Britney drops an album, I'm not checking anybody. Well, I'm writing my review and then I'm not <laughs> looking at anyone else's opinion. I will in time and then be outraged, but it, that's true. When it's your favorite, I feel like you really do not care what other people think. It's the artist that you're like, have a curiosity for. Like if, if you didn't know Zane from one direction, but you knew this boy bander was the first of the, of the group to go solo. And you might be like, Oh, but was it good? Like, I think people would be inclined to click that, but see, I prefer to read reviews when it's people I really love. Really? Yeah. Because when you get, because you're a masochist. Well, a little bit actually, because <laughs> when I read stuff and, and people are like, Oh, this was a great album. It kind of, makes me feel better it's like okay i have mm. good taste you know kind of thing but what happens when it's negative then that person has bad taste oh I don't okay know. all right yeah see, so i, I see think we've that. all been on both sides of that. <laughs> right yeah if i love something i don't necessarily need a writer to like corroborate that i just yeah. need to know that there's someone who understands the artist the same way that i do and like can put things into context mm. so like it wouldn't bother me if i loved beyonce it wouldn't necessarily bother me if someone said something negative about this, as long as I knew historically that they sort of like knew what they were talking about when it came to her. I kind of need the corroborating a little bit, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I do like. Cause it's important to know that, you know, it's, it's impossible for any musician to be perfect. Yeah. Well, Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that really struck a chord here. 
No, I agree. I I think that um, I don't. I just don't think that good reviews do much for me with artists I really love already because I'm just like, yeah, I know. Yeah, she, yeah, <laughs> iconic, legendary Slay. I don't really. Th- I don't know. But I. Then again, this is what we do. So I think sometimes that my perception of reviews is a little different than somebody who is reading the review. Yeah, I'm totally. Not, you look at it differently. Yeah. Um, but I do love reading negative reviews of things that I oh, like. Yeah, me too. I time. love reading it <laughs> yeah. that's, because that's it makes true. me so angry. Like my blood starts to boil, but that elicits a reaction. Mm-hmm. Negative reviews of, of albums of, that are of like a anything. decade old are really incredible. There's, there's this amazing headline where, um, it's like 2005 and they said Beyonce will never be the, the new Ashanti. Right. It was, like, <laughs> it was incredible. And it's amazing. These things are that set in true. stone. Especially and for historically heralded albums. Like I remember I was yeah. writing that um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing last week and Jagged Little Pill, you know, now in history is like an untouchable album. But when you look back at some initial reviews, they were not always so favorable. Yeah. No. I think it was like Robert Criscow, like essentially, yeah, dismissed it as just a silly album about boys. Right. Yeah. In Rolling and, Stone, they dismissed they said baby one more time was a one hit wonder and when you're at a karaoke place in 20 years you'll remember that one girl with that one song like they that's how they ended their profile of her um and it's things that like that that i love to discover in time mm-hmm. but that's but that's also the danger cuz i'm worried that and i'm definitely going down for that sometimes like i've been so completely wrong about albums um i'd like to think i'm more right than wrong but I think the, the nature of this is to have a quick opinion, and then sometimes it goes down terribly, as with my anti-review, which I would like to publicly... Retract. <laughs> ...on the record. Not entirely retract, because I think I had a right to be mad at the time that it wasn't the music I wanted to hear, but it is good music, which I think I was unfair in saying it wasn't good music. It is good music, it just wasn't the Rihanna that you've known for seven albums. But I don't think you said it wasn't good music. I That's think you true. were very clear that it was not the pop artist that you were expecting. Yeah, you were disappointed. Yeah. Which is valid. Your feelings were valid in that I moment. I just don't Although- want Rihanna to be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any art, any writer should feel guilty about having an unpopular opinion. You know, art by nature is subjective. And I think yeah. if everyone had the same opinion about every album, I mean, it's impossible unless you're sort of waiting to see what other people say. You can't possibly be on the same page every single time. Well, that's the danger of the internet these days because you have to be relatable and likable and get those likes and clicks and faves or else you are buried. And that's this whole culture of, I think, not to really get into it, but I think that's why certain artists have risen in this new culture of, oh my God, she's just like me. Oh my God, LOL, awkward. I mean, that's not to name any names Taylor Swift, but I think that's exactly why some artists are now in favor is this internet culture of likability. But there's been a lot of um, really thoughtful essays about that lately, about how being positive and inspirational Mimi is going to get you more followers and things like that. And so then it becomes, okay, the Perez Hilton culture of being mean and shady went away because that was not in favor anymore. And that doesn't exist anymore. And now it's every review of something is, is glowy and positive. Especially when, you know, readers and Twitter users can sort of construct their own realities based on what they want to read or what they pretend is 
you know, the reality of the situation. You can ignore 99 things if you want and then read one thing that's different and say that, you know, that's the favorable opinion or the popular opinion, I mean. Mm-hmm. But then the flip side of what you're saying is if you do make the internet mad at you and make Twitter mad at you, they, yeah, it's the worst feeling in the entire it's world. It's the worst Just feeling. Don't. It's not worth it most of the time unless you're like so, so confident in what you're saying. And even if when you are, it's still not worth it usually to, you know, if I don't love Taylor Swift's latest single, it's not worth it for me to shout about it because it doesn't really serve me anything just to like further prove to the public I don't like it. But then the attack of people exactly. is just like, okay, the the good does not outweigh the bad. In this. I don't know. I think you have to keep people honest. I think it's important. I mean, I'm not yeah. necessarily saying you should live and die by every battle in this way, but yeah. I don't know. I don't think you should ever. But you didn't have Allie's concede. mentions when she ranked every single One Direction song. <laughs> no, but that Allie's was worth it. Were I got so completely much hate. incredible. Everyone was wrong except Every- me. <laughs> <laughs> I also there is kind of a sick pleasure to that. To be fair, in getting that hate. Because you're kind of like, you're so mad about this. And it's kind of embarrassing on their part. So I get I get rattling the cage sometimes, for yeah. sure. I just don't look and close my And sometimes yeah. I empathize with it. I mean, yeah. I know I wrote something about a CW show mm-hmm. and got angry mentions about Arrow. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I like your passion. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I mean, that comes with the territory. If we were writing, you know, innocuous stuff, we wouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right, right on the edge. Right on the edge, always. Find some buttons. I'm gonna push them. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I think that's that's about it for today. Um, okay, we're gonna go now to uh, our conversation with Brendan Yuri of Panic at the Disco. Um, we had a little conversation about being the last man standing in the band, and uh, talked about going on tour with Weezer. Hello, I'm Brendan from Panic at the Disco. Uh, today we. Uh, did something <laughs> a little different than our usual. Uh, we cooked yummy nummies together. We made burgers. We made a yeah. We can call it a burger. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, it was interesting, man. Yeah. How would you uh, describe the taste to um, our radio listeners? Sciency. It was very. It was like. I mean, th- there were parts before we put them in the microwave that mm. s- that kind of resembled and smelled like play doh. Mm-hmm. Then once we got them back the 15 seconds in the microwave had kind of transformed them into, um, God, you know what? It's unlike anything I've ever had. I <laughs> yeah. can't even describe it, dude. It was yeah. so crazy. Highly recommend everyone go out and get some. <laughs> try some try yummy nummies. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we were talking about this a little bit. Um, you were just at Coachella two days yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. You magically appeared on stage. with Yeah, that was Halsey. It was crazy, man. That was yeah. really cool. What an honor. Tell us about uh, being on stage and, and how that happened, really. Yeah, that happened. I mean, I, I had... Um, you know, covered a Halsey song like, I don't even know, maybe now a year ago, you know, just for fun, just doing it because I'm a fan of hers. Uh, so she contacted me on Twitter and we just started tweeting each other just back and forth. And then we got in contact with our managements and and um, then just last month she asked if I wanted to be a part of her Coachella performance. So of course I said, yeah, that sounded great. Um, so I did a little bit of her song, New Americana, and then we both covered uh, Panic song, I Write Sins, Not Tragedies, and yeah. that was phenomenal. That it was, was so awesome. much fun. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like a lot of fun. It was great. She and has great production, great live show. She's an awesome performer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you guys get to hang out at, at, like before or after at all? Or Yeah. 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 We got to uh, a little bit before. I mean, like, you know, I know I always know before a show, I just want to be in my own mind and like get ready for the show. So I didn't really bug her before. I just kind of said, hey and stuff. Um, and then afterwards, yeah, we had a few drinks and just kind of hung out and 
and uh, we listened, you know, watching Ice Cube and Guns N' Roses, and it was great, man. It was a good hang. She's fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she um, she recently came in and she did an interview with us just about a year ago. And oh, then cool. From there, she just took off. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah, she's everywhere now. It's crazy. Yeah, she is. <laughs> um, so, and you're also heading out. Heading out on the road shortly. Yeah, right? getting ready for summer tour with Weezer, which is that's it's still weird to say until like the day comes that the tour starts. Yeah. I feel like it's gonna be strange because I just I actually just did um like an hour long interview with Rivers for another thing and and I and I recorded it on my phone just to have mm-hmm. and so I just I have Rivers on my phone like just speaking <laughs> as quiet as a mouse about things I would just ask him about you know writing and production and tour and uh, we started talking about collaboration ideas. So what I want to do is kind of in the vein of how Queen and David Bowie did Under Pressure. I want to do something like that, where we both cover a song or we come up with a song, but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. What do you think the crowd's going to be like? Because I saw you guys open for Fall Out Boy like, during the Save Rock and Roll tour. Oh, yeah, that was And fun. I was looking around, and I was mostly expecting people my age because you know I grew up listening to you guys. <laughs> sure, yeah. But I looked around, and there were a bunch of like teen, like teen, young teenagers young, there, so yeah. they're like rediscovering you and... I feel like Weezer's crowd is a little older. Yeah. So I think it'll be cool. Like I think I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to be split because their fans are so dedicated, same as ours, you know. And I've noticed over the years with our fans, with Panic fans, it's more um, on both ends of the spectrum. It's younger and it's older. I've talked to a couple of grandparents that are like, "I love your music. You're so nice. You're a nice gentleman. <laughs> you dress so smart, <laughs> you know, in your suits." And I've met a lot of younger fans. A lot of younger fans are coming out. You know, there's always the staple fans that have been there since the beginning, which is great. Very familiar to see their faces. Makes me feel warm. But um, yeah, it's so awesome to to see just an even broader, diverse crowd come out. It's so crazy, man. You never know what's going to happen. But I'm really hoping for for Panic and for me personally to to play to more Weezer fans so that I can win more people over. That's my favorite thing to do is play festivals where people don't even know my band or haven't given me a chance to, this is my chance to prove myself and show you what I'm all about. I love that. Yeah. Now does Rivers know that you were creepily recording him and like fanboying the whole time? I was, yeah, yeah. No, so we, <laughs> I recorded him going to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. No, so, no he, he recorded uh, on his phone too. So like we both did just in case we missed something on nice. each phone. So we were both recording each other just to have um, so there's a recording somewhere of, of he and I talking um, on his phone. But yeah, it was fun, man. We just, we kind of got to sit there. Um, it was the alternative to being like grilled for an hour. He he would rather, you know, he was like, I'd rather just sit down and talk with Brendan. We'll just sit down and have a little conversation um, about like what our hopes are for the, for the tour. And since we'd already had that conversation like three times before, just, you know, at bars hanging out, that it was pretty easy. Yeah, and, uh, it just worked out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Cool. Is it weird being the last member standing at this point? <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> is it really? Of course it is. Do you prefer it to like the oh. whole band thing? Oh my God. Yeah. I so prefer it. Well, it's funny because like before I joined the band, I was doing my own thing anyway. Mm-hmm. And so when I joined up, I had like songs that I had written and I showed them. And they were like, oh, okay. So like you can do studio work and stuff. So then they, you know, we use that to the best of our abilities and I would just go in, produce a track or write a thing. And I was playing all the instruments, all that stuff. So I was really just getting back to my roots. It was like how I taught myself. I taught myself this instrument and that instrument. So I was jumping around. Anytime I got bored on vocals, I'd jump to drums and vice versa. And just, you know, all so that there stuff. was no weird transition phase because you were in a band for what was like 10, 9, 10 years. I mean, I, I, the four of us were only in a band for like two and a half, three years at the most. Oh, all of yeah. you together. Yeah, maybe four years at the most. But at that point, like from the split, I just, I, did what I always do. And I just kept writing. Uh, it's just that I had to take less opinions from people. And that's, you know, it sounds so 
crappy, but like, dude, it's so <laughs> awesome. Like, I love it. I don't have to, you know, sit there and compromise opinions and like, well, I want my song to be heard. Well, I don't want your song to be heard. You know what I mean? It's like now any idea I have, I just get to do. It's awesome. That's yeah. cool. I love it. I love being alone. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's interesting because like even just, I mean, I don't want to call you a solo artist, but I guess that's what you are. It's pretty point. true though. I don't, yeah, it wouldn't be offensive or it wouldn't be, you know, wrong. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like the music still sounds very true to the whole panic sound. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I like to think so. I mean, I have had a, a huge part in every album that we've made from the beginning. Um, there were songs from the first album to now that would have never gotten made if I hadn't had some jazz background or some musical theory background. Mm -hmm. So that that's always been consistent. And my passion for it's never changed. If anything, it's grown. So I, I just wanted to, you know, reflect my, um, my attitude towards music, which is the passion that I have for it and the chance to just do something that I've never done. That's so exciting. I can't even, I can't put it into words. It's so awesome. Now, yeah. are you, are you writing, even though you just, just put out an album, are you still writing? Do you, are you the type yeah. of person who writes on tour and that inspires you? Yeah. All the time. I'm yeah. always writing. There's like, um, God, I've got hard drives of stuff that will never see the light of day, but some stuff that, you know, I might go back to in a year from now, or maybe even a month from now and look back and be like, oh yeah, I can repurpose that idea or I can reinvent that lyric or, you know, make it personal to what I'm going through now. Um, which makes it easier. You know, I don't have to sit there and start with a clean slate or just a blank slate. I mean, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. I'm always writing, you know, even today I woke up in the hotel and I had a, I was singing in the shower and I was like, don't forget this. So I got out before even drying off. I'm just naked. I'm <laughs> just running around with my phone. I'm singing you know, like melodies and stuff. So yeah, I'm always doing something just to get that creative energy out. You know, that sounds like a hit in the making. <laughs> yeah, it's called, it's called yeah, yeah, yeah. I am Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exclusive. Nice, nice. Cool. Cool. Yeah, Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Some Like It Pop. For more, visit us at popcrush.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Pop Crush Music. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Signing off, this is Bradley Stern, Samantha Vincenti, Ali Zubiak, Matt Donnelly. Bye. See ya. See ya. <laughs>